0: There are many things in life that are just unexplained, and I don't think many of them ever will be. But regardless, we'll continue to search for answers in the dark. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true unexplained paranormal encounters sent in by viewers just like you. As usual, If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. Chilling is the new home of horror and an amazing mobile app that allows you to do things that are just not possible on YouTube. With hundreds of hours of amazing stories that are sorted into curated playlists or playlists you can create on your own, we give you so much flexibility to listen the way you want, this even includes a chilling exclusive feature, our first of its kind ambient menu. You can change the background noise of the story at will, so if you're feeling like listening to a crackling fire, and then suddenly want to change terrain, you can do that without any pauses or interruptions. With hours, a brand new, chilling exclusive stories being uploaded every single week from your favorite narrator such as Swamp Dweller, Being Scared, Your Maker, Let's Read, and more, it's an absolute game changer. Of course, this is offered completely and totally ad free. That's right, no ads, just hours and hours of uninterrupted, horrifying, creepy, and all around spooky content. So, what are you waiting for? start your free trial today. It's only $2.99 a month after that. We are currently running a giveaway for an Oculus Quest 2 bundle, which includes an Oculus Quest 2, Resident Evil 4, Blair Witch Oculus Quest Edition, and The Exorcist Legion VR. The winner will be announced on the 21st, and further details can be found via the link in the description. On a sultry July night, some friends and I decided to go ghost hunting at the Barber Mountain Cemetery. We were a collection of some older teens and early 20-somethings. The paranormal had always fascinated me and a few others in the group as well. It was a collective decision to go. Besides, when even drinking as a youth has lost its fun, what else is there to do in small town USA on a Friday night? We decided to take a Ouija board, though I didn't put much stock into such things. Don't get me wrong, I do believe in the fundamental good and evil, but a board game sold at any large retailer just doesn't really sit well with me. Anyways, it was hot out. Even on top of the Greenbrier Mountain, the humidity was miserable. We were all dressed in our summer clothes, and we talked a bit of the high humidity that hung thick in the air. We decided to play a round of Ouija, and we nervously touched the oracle in unison. It moved slightly causing most of us to pull our hands back with an uneasy laughter. After some banter and a light name-calling amongst friends, we all reached back in to touch the felt-bottomed plastic and cheaply made oracle. It once again began to move, slowly at first. Then it picked up speed, sliding from one letter to the next. You're doing that. No, you are. Everyone denied moving it across the board, The felt pads made an eerie hiss as they slid across the cardboard. S T E P H. It would eventually spell out Stephanie, a friend of ours in the group, and asked her to walk until it said stop. She was afraid to go alone, so I volunteered to go with her, as I had a crush on her for some time. I figured it would give us some quiet time away from the rest of the group to talk and maybe hold hands. We walked up the hill away from the group and into a secluded part of the cemetery. Beautiful, raw iron fencing adorned some of the older headstones, and it had a haunting beauty all of its own. This was an old and almost forgotten rarely visited area full of misplaced headstones and dead bouquets of once vibrant flowers. Michael, another friend in the group, yelled to us that we should stop and told Stephanie to lay down at this grave as if she were one of the ones being buried she put her head at the headstone and feet pointed downhill. While she did that, and was doing what she was instructed to do, I had noticed a headstone laying over on its face. I walked over to it, not straying too far from Stephanie. I picked it up, brushed off some of the moss and dirt that had a mass from what I assume was years of lying face down on the ground. I put it back in the upright position, and they yelled for us to come back to the circle. When we got there, The group was laughing and calling Michael an idiot and poking fun at him. It turns out, Michael was the one moving the oracle, and he was responsible for all the cheap thrills we had experienced. As the night came to an end, our circle of friends disbanded, and we all went our separate ways. The youngins all went home as they had a curfew to uphold. Later that night, Michael, Paul, a new addition to the group of lifelong friends, and I got bored. We decided to go back to the dilapidated final resting place of so many. It was just us three. We had a basic camcorder and a recording device to try to catch some EVPs. We made Michael swear to stop his earlier antics so we could focus on catching some real evidence. Like I said before, it was sweltering that night, and we quickly got overheated and too tired to continue. Nothing much in the way of activity, so we decided to call it a night for about an hour. But before we left... I pointed to the headstone where Michael told Stephanie to lay down earlier. Paul asked me how I knew that was the one, and I replied, because this one right here is broken. I picked it up and showed the camera. Paul pushed in with the camera, a shot that was reminiscent of a good Hollywood horror flick. To the tombstone, the scene was a slow-paced and foreboding thing, exactly the creepiness that we were hoping for. I told them about how I picked it up earlier and brushed it off and put it back in the upright position. After the shot, I put the ancient headstone back as I had earlier, upright and correct. Respectfully, we left shortly after. When we got back into Richwood, Michael said his goodbyes and headed to his house, leaving me and Paul to our own devices. Paul was my best friend. We were together every single day. I asked him if he wanted to spend the night, and of course he did. So. We headed to my house we snuck in the house but the flooring was an antiquated hardwood and squeaked and popped with every step we made it upstairs to my room and i gave paul his usual blanket to sleep on and a sheet to cover up with he had to sleep on the floor because i didn't have an extra bedroom or bed the blanket was put to good use though but the sheet was balled up and thrown in the corner of the room it was much too hot to be covering up the house was old too old for central heating and cooling and I didn't have a window unit air conditioner at the time. I had a ceiling fan. Although it worked vigorously to move the stale air about the room, it was hardly any relief from the heat and humidity that July normally brings to West Virginia. We watched the movie together, well, most of one, and Paul fell asleep rather quickly. He was wearing a tank top and boxers as pajamas. I could hear him writhing about uncomfortably in the night, and I looked down to my right to check on him. He was sweating and I could see the intolerable heat's effect on him. I tried to close my eyes and go to sleep, but I couldn't. A cold feeling washed over me, like getting caught in a thunderstorm. It devoured every inch of my body. I was cold. Despite the ambient temperature of what felt like 2000 degrees, I was under the blankets, still freezing. I got up from my bed and put a hoodie on, and pajama pants, flannel ones. These were the warmest thing I had available in the summer wardrobe. I should have been on the verge of a heat stroke at this point, but I was so cold. My teeth were chattering, chattering like it was January morning, or like I was underdressed. I didn't understand. I didn't understand where the cold was coming from, or how cold like this possibly could come on a night with temperatures like this. Then suddenly, I realized that the cold wasn't on my skin. It was laying on top of me, like the harsh winters in the mountains tended to do. It was a cold like I had never felt. It was almost electrifying. It was not on me, but in me. This cold was in my bones, it was under my skin, and I could not shake it off. I glanced down at Paul, still visibly steamy and uncomfortable from the heat, still sweating. I thought of different reasons to why it would be cold on a hot July night, but I was coming up empty. I wasn't sick, after all. I felt great other than the chill in my soul. I was raised in a Baptist church, just a street or two away from where I live. My once fervent servitude had waited a bit over the years, but I remembered the lessons I had learned while I was there. My Sunday school teacher was a great man, and he was one of the few men that I looked up to. I respected Mark and listened closely to his teachings. I remembered one Sunday in particular, when we engaged in a discussion with the rest of the class about demons and possession. I was curious about all these things when I was that age, especially possession, I watched horror movies regularly as a child, and I was always interested to know if the things I watched really could happen. Mark said they could. I remember him telling us, if you ever feel like you've been attacked, or you're coming under some sort of evil presence, say in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. It seemed like the only possible thing I could think of, so I said those words. As soon as those words passed through my lips, I sat straight up and began to vomit. I puked on my bed and all over my shirt. I refrained from leaning to the right because of my old buddy Paul was still sleeping on the floor. So I leaned left and continued to throw up against my bedroom wall. I must have puked five or six times before all was said and done. When I had finished throwing up, I instantly broke out into a heavy sweat and I felt myself as I had always known myself to be. I could feel it, the cold, leave my body and I returned to a normal feeling of disdain for the hot July evening. I woke Paul up and told him I had thrown up and we should go downstairs to sleep for the remainder of the night. He agreed and we headed down the creaking steps together. I slept fine for the rest of the night. I woke up early to the sun's warming rays pouring through the living room windows. Recalling the previous night's events, I headed to my room to clean up my mess. I have not since felt anything like that, but since then I am a little sensitive to certain things unseen. I can feel things differently and I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, something had attached itself to me that night. Something was inside of me, and for all I know, I had planned on staying. I know what I felt. I know there is something more to the realm of the deceased. No one can tell me otherwise. I lived it. This happened back in 2017. I was in my mid-teens around the time. We lived in an urban area... For privacy purposes, I would just say that this was somewhere in central India, and I and my family had recently moved in. Even though I was a bit sad about having to move away from my old house, I was excited to explore my new city and see what life was like here. I instantly took a liking to it, playing with my brothers in the park. Enjoying all the sports facilities in the school and in my community, like swimming, archery, basketball, karate, and MMA, I was also happy since the holiday season was nearing, and I was really excited for Christmas in the new city I moved in. Anyway, on the day of Christmas, after a fun time watching a movie marathon and eating outside food we had ordered, me and my family decided to tuck in around 11 p.m. Now, this is where the interesting part starts. I was just about to fall asleep in the shared bedroom with my brother. We used to sleep in the same bed with a pillow separating us in the middle. I went to sleep rather easily and was sleeping well until I woke up in the middle of the night, realizing I was not able to move at all. It was like I had just been paralyzed completely, and I could not move my eyes. I tried so hard to move, but I could not, and since my eyes were the only thing moving, I stared and looked around the room, and then I saw it. At first, I thought it was my dad or grandfather, but then I realized it was something very different. It looked more like a ghost, with no visible legs, it had the face of a human and seemed to be wearing a white gown and I think it had a beard. I could not tell entirely because it was moving fast. It was trying to get across my room and I think it did so in less than a second. I saw it circle around my room real fast and it just disappeared. I then started hearing sounds of my family members as though they were right outside even though it was 1.30 in the morning and they were clearly asleep. I had no idea what this was and I tried my best to fall asleep again, and eventually I must have, because the next day I woke up to a very solemn, peaceful feeling. I had asked my family, my parents and grandparents, etc., if they had been up that night, and they all denied doing so. I mean, I could not see any reason as to why they would lie about this. Even though it was Christmas and parents liked to sneak around presents and such, the only presents that we had were already under the tree anyway. Had I just seen Santa Claus, A Christmas Ghost, or something else? I don't know. That's why I'm reaching out to your show to see if anybody listening has any ideas of what I saw.
1: Hello. My name is Julian. I'm currently 27 years old and love your channel, Swamp. Throughout my life, I've witnessed plenty of rather unusual occurrences, most of which I have no explanation for. Perhaps I'll send some in the future, but I've been chomping at the bit to send in this story, in particular for some time now, and it's the first story I've shared here. I've been a hiker and a hunter for the better part of my life now, and this happened when I was around 17 years old, so around a decade ago. It was some time around September, and I was in the Louisiana Bayou with my brother, who was probably about the same age I am today, 27 or 28, and my girlfriend, Selena, who was the same age as I. My brother and I had this sweet hunting spot smack dab in the middle of the swamp, in the eastern bayou, probably around 30 to 40 miles south of good old Crescent City, a location of which I've had my fair share of different unsettling experiences, but that is for another time. It was an island in the middle of the bayou, about four miles in perimeter, maybe a little bit less, with no notable civilization or even a lot of land, probably for about five miles in every direction, with perhaps a couple of smaller islands here and there. But you get the idea. There was, however a small Cajun settlement on the island. They called the island Ile du Loup, the Island of Wolf. Now, typically, if those Cajuns as much as caught sight of you on their turf, you were in for a nasty encounter. However, a good portion of this settlement was my family, and not just some distant relatives either. They tolerated us. However, they were very strict about the rules. Your typical horror tropes like Don't go out after midnight, or Don't go to this certain clearing in the woods. The usual. So we never really took it very seriously until this experience. But enough exposition. It was about three in the morning, and our fishing boat was slowly making its way to the island. And we were about two miles away. My girlfriend was asleep, and I was reading a book I'd gotten back in the city, with my brother driving, of course. Even this early, the sounds of the bayou sprang through the air. Alligators our boat had disturbed bellowing at us, water swishing under our ship, owls hooting, and the cicadas chirping, when all of a sudden, a weird fog seemed to materialize out of nowhere. Now, being in the bayou, fog is a regular feature. But this wasn't normal. It was thick and dewy and it seemed to be a dark red color. Now, I don't know about anyone else, but I don't think anything normal causes red fog. I made my way out of the cabin up to the bow, where I could barely even see the water below through all of this all-consuming fog. I waved my brother over to ask him about it. When he came over, he was overt, which concerned him and creeped him out. What is this stuff, he stumbled over his words. I, I do not know, and I was going to ask you, I choked out. Well, go get some sleep. I'm sure it'll pass. He sounded as if he wanted to think he wasn't scared, but in reality, I believe he was terrified. I didn't blame him. I hesitated to go back in the cabin, and we both just stood there. This was when it set in that every noise of the swamp had ceased. There were no more owls, cicadas, alligators, or even slight splashes in the water. It was utterly silent. I knew this silence. I knew that we weren't alone. And I knew that whatever it was out there with us didn't stop to ask for directions. My brothers and I stood still as statues for probably two or three minutes before my girlfriend emerged from the cabin. I didn't see her, so when she put her hand on my shoulder, I practically levitated for a moment. She sleepily let out a chuckle, but she quickly went quiet and turned pale as a ghost, and still as just we were. Knowing that she had seen something, my brother whispered over to her, asking, What was wrong? She then lifted her shaky finger, pointing to the right of the boat. My brother looked over and went pale. I looked over. And just froze I knew that I didn't want to see whatever was behind me after a few minutes though curiosity got the best of me I turned around to this day I really wish I didn't probably approximately ten feet above the water stood a set of purple eyes which looking back on it was also odd being that no light was shone on it they gleamed with voracious intent And when I stared into them, I was imbued with fear, fear of the purest form, fear that an antelope would feel right as a cheetah or lion caught it. When I looked at them, the air, it went ice cold. I'm sure I went pale, just like my girlfriend and brother. Then, just when it seemed it couldn't get any more terrifying, it took a step forward, making it appear to be even taller its action reverberated into the bows of the wooden floorboards. It was like your stereotypical giant footstep, loud and powerful, and when it stepped forward, it seemed to rise a foot or two. That's when we saw it. It had almost black, matted fur, with large patches of gray fur on its chest. It had an extremely muscular build, and seemed to be hunched over. I only saw the outline of its head, a black mass of fur, but I could see its pearly white teeth. It snarled at us, much like a wolf would if it were threatened. That's when we lost it. My brother practically dove into the cabin as this creature clasped a giant black claw onto the railing with pointy black nails on each finger. I leaped back, as did my girlfriend, and in a split second... My brother emerged from the cabin, shotgun shaking in his hands. He shot once. The thing didn't even flinch. It took its hands off the railing the second time, and I pulled out my 50 caliber Action Express Desert Eagle as I had a concealed carry permit. I still don't understand why I didn't do this earlier, but better late than never, am I right? I shot four consecutive shots in the animal's direction. Once again, it seemed unfazed. I stared at it in its amethyst-purple eyes for what seemed like an eternity before it seemed to fall back and swim away, never taking its deep purple eyes from my own until they were no longer visible. We stood there in shock for a couple of minutes, barely able to breathe. The fog was still there, and the sounds had not yet returned. We heard a far-off owl from the direction in which the terrifying animal had retreated in, and just like that, the fog was gone. And one by one, the sounds of the swamp returned. That weekend, we ended up nailing a 12-point white-tailed buck, and it was a pretty good experience. But we were all exceedingly solemn the whole rest of the trip. I didn't expect everyone to believe me, And I half didn't believe myself either. It was just so surreal. But it was also so vivid. And I know what I saw. I think this was formerly known as the Rugaroo, But I honestly have no idea. The myth doesn't mention any red fog or colossal size. So I'm really unsure. Any help in the comments would be helpful too. And I'm delighted I got to contribute my little piece to the swamp. If you end up reading my story, thank you for your time, and keep up the excellent work. Swamp Dweller, you are a role model.
0: I've had a couple of disturbing things happen to me that you could call paranormal. This story is from maybe four or so years ago, at the last house I lived in. My mom had bought this creepy painting from a yard sale a few years prior. It was freaky. The primary color was almost blood red and many of the shapes in the painting looked like eyes. The painting was creepy, but I had never thought anything of it really. That was until my mom decided it would look good hanging on the wall directly over the headboard to my bed. I've always felt uneasy in that room, like something was watching me. Whatever was watching me, it it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel alive or natural. I know that sounds kind of cliché, but you'd have to experience it to truly know what I mean. The first disturbance wasn't such a first-hand encounter but from my grandmother, who was staying over for the weekend. My grandmother is an early riser. She had woken up around 6 or so, right as the sun was coming up. My grandmother had gone to the back patio to drink her coffee as she watches the sun rise. She said, that she could have swore she saw me sitting under the old oak tree about 30 yards away from the patio. We lived on a good patch of land, and maybe 10 yards past that oak tree was a forest. My grandmother said she swears that she saw what she thought was me look at her and walk into the tree line. Later that day she confronted me about it asking what I was doing. I was quick to tell her that I wasn't even out there this morning and that I had no idea what she was talking about. The look on her face after I said that I had no idea what she was saying, I'll never forget. For I've never seen my grandmother scared. She ended up going back home early later that evening. A day passed and to be honest, I was a little spooked, but I was not too worried about it. Later that night, I remember my cat freaking out for whatever reason. It wouldn't leave my side. It was weird to me, but what was even weirder was the fact that she had even followed me into the bathroom and stayed in there while I took my shower. My cat absolutely hated the shower, and the sound of the shower made her usually just run away from the room. For whatever reason, she would not leave the bathroom this day. She started growling at the door. That's when I heard the sound of metal grinding across the limestone floor from outside the bathroom in my bedroom. I was freaked out, and I called out, ''Hello? Mom? Who's in my room?'' There was no response. The metal sound stopped and that's when I heard a vicious scratching at my bathroom door. My cat was terrified and I couldn't blame her because so was I. The awful scratching continued for what seemed like hours even though it was maybe five minutes. I was petrified. The only thing I could do was just stare at the floor until finally I screamed for my mom to come in. Right as I yelled for my mom the scratching stopped. My mom came barreling down the hallway and tried to get into my room, but my door was blocked. It was blocked by my 30-pound metal dumbbells. She forced her way in and asked what was wrong. I explained everything, and she did, she did her best to comfort me, but I'm not entirely sure if she believed me. But it did help out temporarily. The last part of my story was about a week later, when I was laying on my bed with my cat, I had a Nokia touchscreen phone at the time and decided to take pictures of my cat who was laying on my lap. That's when I saw a pitch black humanoid figure at the end of my bed through my camera, just staring at me. It had no eyes, but you could feel it just looking at you. It was that same feeling I described earlier as being unnatural. I was petrified. I couldn't do anything but just sit there and hope it would go away. I didn't take my eyes off my phone that whole time. But when I finally did to look at the end of my bed with my bare eyes, there was nothing there. It had disappeared from my camera as well. My cat started growling at something above me. I looked back, only to see that ominous painting. I ended up getting rid of that painting, and as soon as I did, things died down for a while. It wasn't until my sleep paralysis experiences a few years later that I'd experience anything supernatural. But that's a different story, I'll never forget that feeling. It changed the way I view things spiritually, forever. Hello Swamp Dweller, I listen to you every single day. I'm in pest control, I wear earbuds pretty much all day, it's what I do I guess. But anyway, my name is Joe and I currently live in Wildwood, Florida and I'm now 35 years old. This paranormal story takes place in a rural part of Ohio, when my little brother and I were foster kids. He was 4 years old and I was 8 years old at the time. So, this foster mom, who we will call Donna, had two other children. There was a boy and a girl, who we will call Amanda and Dylan. She was always in her room. She would be around 14 years old. Amanda was quiet, and she never really, she was never really mean I guess, but she was not nice either. My room was at the end of a long hallway and if you walked out of my room, her room was directly to the left of my door. If the door was cracked, you could see where the bunk beds were and you could see her door. My little brother slept on the top bunk while I slept on the bottom bunk. My foster mom, Donna, would always come to our door in the middle of the night and crack it to check on us, but would always leave the door open just a little bit and never close it back. This would drive me crazy. What I saw that night did not start right away. I gradually started to see a black figure in the shape of a nun without the white hat. It was just a black figure shaped like a nun. It was standing there, at the corner of the door. It would always just hover there. It eventually started hovering into the room over time. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. I started making my little brother sleep in the bed with me. Call me what you want, for my own security eventually. He started to tell me that he could see it too. It never harmed us, it would just hover in my room and not move if my eyes were open. If I closed my eyes, it would slowly hover towards me. This thing didn't necessarily feel evil, but it gave off an ominous feel. I noticed a black figure shaped like a nun and I lost a lot of sleep for days over it. I would test to see how close it would get to me sometimes. I would hold my eyes closed for a very long time and at one point it hovered all the way to my bed. This happened a lot. I could have reached out and touched it a few times. I was eight years old and it scared me to death. The second I opened my eyes, it would hover back to the door at the crack where the door was open and just stand there. This went on for months. I would usually get up and close my door before bed. I would wake up in the middle of the night and notice the door was cracked open. I didn't initially freak out because Donna would come and check on us sometimes. My parents got their lives back on track and I moved back in with them as well as my brother. To this day, I will never sleep with the closet door open in the dark. I always must have a light on throughout my house, like an overhead stove light or a bathroom light on. I never sleep with the closet door open. So to this day, I'm a grown man and still I'm petrified of this thing. I have never seen it again, but I do get a weird feeling when the closet door opens and it's just pitch black in there. You can almost feel like something is staring at you. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true and unexplainable horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. Many thanks to my good friend Dave Scott for reading story number two. If you enjoyed his reading, please be sure to check out his channel, Spaced Out Radio. You can find a link to do so in the description down below. They cover all things anomalous, from UFOs to aliens to cryptids to the paranormal. They are a weekly radio show that I know you're going to love. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to The Swamp. If you're new to The Swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating over there, as it helps us grow there, and it's incredibly helpful. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium but would still like to download and bring your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories with you no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. I would love to know in the comments down below what stories tonight were your favorite. It's really hard to pick one, I know, but do your best. It's very helpful to me to know what kind of stories to look for in the future. If you have a story that you would like to share, though, be sure to submit it at SwampDweller.net. It's stories like yours that keep this show going on a daily basis. If you would like to support the show outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and sending in your story, maybe check out the merch store. We have face masks, hoodies, t-shirts, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy video.